2 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, here we're in the period of Israel's history in the divided kingdom. I missed something. Second Kings, that's what I said. What did I say? Second Kings, chapter 7. We'll look at 6 and 7, but our text will come from chapter 7. I said Second Kings, chapter 7. As we pick up here, we're in the history of Israel where there's a divided kingdom. The nation has been divided, and we often refer to them as the northern kingdom of Israel up in uh, Samaria is the capital area, or Shechem, uh, for a period of time. And then uh, the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, uh, down south uh, in Jerusalem as its capital. And so certainly the division of the nation, uh, the division of the kingdom, uh, leaves them open to attack. Um, And we know the judgment of God uh, oftentimes was poured out on the disobedient people. Um, And such is the case as we look at chapter 6, in verses 6 through 24, we see a dire situation. Uh, As Samaria is under siege, uh, it's orchestrated by uh, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. Well, let's just, it's not, this isn't our text, but we'll read it just for some foundational understanding of what we're going to look at this morning. Chapter 6, verse 24, and it came to pass after this that, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or... Out of the winepress, and the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him, and I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him, and she hath hid her son. And so as we pick up in the, the midst of this siege uh, of uh, the, the capital city here in Samaria, uh, they're in a dire situation uh, under siege. And uh, so much so that the Bible tells us an ass's head was sold for 80 pieces of silver. I found some estimates that that's as much as six and a half years' salary for the head of a donkey. Uh, that's, that's outrageous. Well, I'm not enjoying the inflation we're experiencing today, but that's nothing compared to what was taking place here. And it says a cab of dove's dung was sold for five pieces of silver. Uh, Again, I'm not sure, but some people estimate that five months wages potentially. And and so here we have this unclean donkey, which usually wouldn't be eaten except as a last resort uh, by the Israelites. And uh, and its head, really the worst and the cheapest part usually, is being sold for a, a ridiculous amount. And uh, they're in a dire situation. Anybody know what a cab is? Not a New York cab. Not a yellow cab. I didn't either. But it's a measure of dry. It's a dry measurement. And 
This is the only place that it's referred to in Scripture that I could find. And uh, according to some of the rabbinical writings, it was the smallest of all dry measures in use at the time. What may equate and what we might understand it as is close to a pint, uh, the fourth part of a cab. So it would be a quarter of that. And so it's a, a relatively small amount. And so we have this, this head of a, of a donkey going for just an unbelievable rate. They're under siege, there's famine, they're starving. And then we have this dove's dung. Anybody know what this is? I want some, I'm looking for interaction. So, uh, generally speaking, it is mentioned, uh, or it's believed to be literal. Dove's dung. Uh, But that's not what everybody's opinion is. Uh, Some understand it as some sort of pulse, some of the commentators and or scholars, uh, these real guys, smart guys that, that study a lot. But, uh, but there is a term called dove's, dove, dove's dung or sparrow's dung, and it is a plant in uh, parts of the Middle East. And uh, still to this day, you can find references on the interwebs about uh, dove's dung being a plant that's very resistant to uh, drought and things like that, which would make sense in, a, in, a, in the situation of a famine. Uh, but this does not leave out the... Well, there were some that said there might be used as a fuel uh, of some sort in those cases, but certainly this does not leave out the literal meaning of it, that it would be the excrement of a dove. And uh, that is not beyond reason. There are certainly uh, records in history of these sieges taking place where animal and human excrement were used as, as food. And uh, that's not very pleasing to think about. And obviously that would be under extreme necessity. Uh, you can even look over in Second Kings chapter 18, and there's an example of that. When Sennacherib uh, laid siege on Judah, the Assyrians were there, and, and there was a threat that they would put them under siege, and those people on the wall would have to eat their own dung and drink their own urine. And uh, so certainly this was not unheard of that it would be that, and But what's my point today? In any case, here we have the least of things costing great expense because the situation is dire. The situation is difficult to say the least. The people in Samaria are in dire circumstances. When one turns to dung and and cannibalism, as we saw the ladies that would boil their own children for any form of substance of any kind, things are, are certainly not going well to say the least. They're in a difficult situation. And so with that backdrop, if you would stand with me in honor of reading the Word of God, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into a city when the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here and we die also, now therefore come and let us Fall unto the host of the Syrians, if they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of the chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host, and they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents 
and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when the lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went in to one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and when went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Verse 9 is where we're going to take our text from this morning. It says, they, did, they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the things that we can glean from your word that would help us to be better Christians. And so, Father, this morning I pray that you would challenge the heart of every believer. Lord, that we would be a more faithful witness for thee. That we would share of the good tidings of Christ and what he's done in our life with those around us. And Father, for those that may not know Christ here today, I pray that you'd work in their heart. Help them to understand their dire circumstance. There is no hope outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray that they would turn to Him and be saved today. Now, Father, we ask that You would meet with us. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. So we see among these suffering in these, this dire situation in the city so bad that, that women are eating their own children, and, and these really base things are costing ridiculous amounts of money because people are so desperate for something to eat. And uh, we find these lepers that are outside the city, according to the law, and uh, certainly they were required to be distanced from the people, but they were suffering nonetheless, uh, like the rest of those that were in the city walls. And and uh, we see that they discuss their plight there in verses 3 and 4, and uh, uh, they really have nothing to lose. And they decide to throw themselves at the mercy of the Syrians and uh, to their surprise, when they get to the camp, ain't nobody there. The M4s are laid down. Well, the AK-47s, they probably didn't have those back then. That's just a test to see how much reaction I get to see if anybody's awake this morning. But the army had fled. Uh, God had done a work on the behalf of the city. Uh, they heard the what they thought was the sound of other kings that had joined league with the city, and, and they fled in fear. And uh, we see in verse 8, they, these lepers begin to splurge. I mean, could you imagine if you're starving to the point that they are? Uh, they just begin to splurge, and then they begin to take the riches and hide those things. And But we came to that in verse 9 where it says, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. All of a sudden, they come to themselves and realize, wow, we haven't been thinking about the city. The rest of the people back there, they're still starving. They're still hungry. And so we're going to focus on this a little bit this morning. As we look at the Scriptures, we're going to notice some parallels between the situation taking place here in 2 Kings and and it often is parallels to some of the things that we experience today in a spiritual sense. Uh, the consequences of keeping silent when we have good news to share and why some people may be keeping silent today. 
There's consequences for remaining silent, to hold your peace about the good tidings of God in our life. And so we'll parallel this with ourselves today. In each case, there is a famine. Here in, in, in our passage this morning, it's a, a physical famine of food. There's, there's lack of food and, and people are desperate. And today in America, we're blessed to have plenty. Few people in our nation today suffer due to lack of access to food. Very few. <clears throat> and I would say if somebody truly has a lack of food, there's places they can go. There's access to the things that they need uh, to meet their physical needs of, of subsistence. It's a fancy word, the Air Force. I got BAS. Anyway. I don't know. These things just come to me. I, I apologize. So here in the passage, it's, it's a physical famine. But today we have a spiritual famine. Uh, a spiritual famine related to the problem of sin. For all of sin, the Bible tells us, and comes short of the glory of God. And scripture, scripture teaches us that in fact we are spiritually dead. Without Christ. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men... For that all have sinned. There's nobody in this room that can say, I haven't sinned. And so we know that we're spiritually dead according to what the scripture tells us. In each case, however, there is an abundance freely available. The city didn't know it. The lost people that we encounter oftentimes, they don't understand that there's an abundance of the bread of life. They don't have to remain spiritually dead. Uh, there was plenty of food in the Syrian camp to save the city. More than enough. God had made provision for the suffering people in the city. Uh, and the same is true today for the spiritual famine that we face. Uh, there is an abundance of spiritual blessings in Christ. Ephesians 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. John 6.33, For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Well, there's plenty of bread for everybody. Plenty of bread to meet all the spiritual needs that we see in our life. John 11.25 I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And so even in the dire situation that we face in our society and in our community here in Rapid City today, there is a solution. And in both cases, I believe there's people that have found the solution. We read about the lepers that they went to the camp. And they found that God had made provision for them and for the rest of the city. Today, it is the believers that have come to Christ in faith. It is the Christians who have experienced the joy of salvation. And it is those who have eaten of the bread of life. Similar to the lepers, we have the answer. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give in my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Christ didn't just do it for you. He did it for the world. 
But I think that this is where the similarities begin to end oftentimes. Boy, there's a, there's a dire situation. Uh, certainly in our world today, and I think more so and more so, we experience it in our nation, even though it was founded on biblical principles, it doesn't seem that way more and more. We see the spiritual poverty all around us. And, but there's such an abundance in Christ. The lepers knew what was right and did it. Do all of us as the people of God do the same? They understood that it would be wrong for them to remain silent and not share their blessings, their salvation, if you will, with the others in the city. They, we might say they came to themselves. We do not well. God has made provision for us. We must share this with others. And it says that they understood that mischief or, or perhaps some punishment would befall them if they delayed. We ought not delay in sharing the gospel with other, others. And so we know that these lepers, they return to the city and, and uh, they share the good news, the good tidings of what has taken place, that the army has fled and, and all that they need. And, uh, but regrettably, many so-called Christians are not like these lepers. Despite having experienced the good news of the gospel, they remain silent. As the passage says, they hold their peace. While many die of spiritual starvation, they feast on the blessings and the great benefits of the abundant life. They do not consider that they, what they do is wrong. Listen, this morning, if you know Christ, you have the answer. We would do well to learn from these lepers. To look at their example. Uh, are we guilty of what they said of themselves in verse 9? Look there again. It says, we do not well. This is day of good tidings. And the latter part of that verse says, and we hold our peace. Boy, we're keeping silent about these great things that have happened to us. And I don't know how much time has elapsed. But it was obviously enough to where they were pillaging and spoiling this camp to the point where they realized, man, we got so much. What do we? I mean, they were taking so much that they're hiding it. Their bellies were full. And can you imagine when you get reinvigorated? Uh, have, you, have anybody ever been hungry? Man, not some of you. I'll tell you what, the Air Force made me hungry sometimes. I don't go hungry too much anymore, and it's starting to show. But uh, there would be times where I'd be out working, and you work 12 14 plus hour days and, and sometimes you'd miss a meal or something and by the time you get back to the chow hall, excuse me, the dining facility, <laughs> you get back for the chow hall for the end of the day meal it, and you could eat everything in the house. But typically when that happens, what happens? You get refreshed. Boy, your, your energy begins to return and, and, and so I imagine these men begin to realize, wow, we're feeling good. We're enjoying the blessings and the great abundance of, of what the army has left us here. And, and they kind of come to themselves and we do not well. So much so they said, we can't even tarry till the morning light. <clears throat> There's people dying around us every day. There's lost people that we encounter every day of our lives. I would be willing to submit to you this morning. There's lost people in this room today certainly in this facility. 
But do we even care? We just feast on the abundance of Jesus Christ as we come and gather with the people of God and and we enjoy all the blessings of the fellowship of the church, but we never say a word to anyone else outside of here. We hold our peace. But in reasoning among themselves, these lepers, they considered the consequence of keeping silent. On a day of good tidings, they say, boy, some mischief's going to come upon us. Uh, there's some consequences that may happen here. There, there might be a punishment. And, and so listen, this morning, if we keep silent, we fail to fulfill the Great Commission. God has given us the responsibility to preach the gospel. He instructed His disciples to observe all that He commanded. Familiar passages, I think sometimes we get so familiar with them, we just kind of disregard them as we read. Or as they're quoted, or as they're read from the pulpit. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you. There's a command to go forward and to preach. Listen, if there were those that did not obey that command, we would not be here today. We must observe all those things. And part of that is the command to go forth and preach. Keeping silent is not what Jesus commanded. He commanded that we would go. And I love how Mark puts it, preach to all creatures. Everyone needs to hear of the good tidings that we've experienced in our life. Everyone needs to hear that, that God is the bread of life and He can meet the need, deepest need that you've ever had in your life. When I think of the famine here in Second Kings, I think everyone in the city was very well aware of their dire situation. I don't think there was anybody that wasn't aware that it was... Sometimes in our society, though, people don't even realize the trouble that they're in, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Listen, the ordained minister of God can't go everywhere. This is a responsibility of all the disciples of the Lord. If we're going to be faithful to the gospel, we must preach the gospel wherever we go. If we keep silent, we will fail as our mission as the people of God. Listen, 1 Peter tells us we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Look at what it says here. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Listen, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. What a blessing message that we can go forth and share the praises of God and, and share how we've obtained mercy. God's people cannot remain silent and fulfill the purpose for which God intends for us. We must not hold our peace. If we hold our peace, we will answer to God for remaining silent. I believe we will be held accountable for not preaching the word of God, for not sharing the gospel with our friends. We're not sharing the gospel with our co-workers and with our family members. We must be faithful. There's an example in the book of Ezekiel that God told Ezekiel that he was the watchman. And he had a responsibility to warn the people. And God said that if he wouldn't warn them that he would be held accountable. 
Today, the church, Christian, the believer this morning, you're the watchman. You have a responsibility to warn the world around you, the community around you, to share the gospel with them. We are to share the gospel with every creature, to every person around us in all of the world. Those who have not received Christ will die in their sin. I understand that. But we will be held accountable if we do not give them the warning. And I know you can't talk to every person in Rapid City. But those people that God impresses you on your heart to share the gospel with and you neglect to be obedient, you're going to give account of that. God is going to call you to the carpet, if you will. They will stand in judgment of an almighty God for their sin, but you will give an account for your lack of preaching and the fact that you held your peace. And Paul was a great example of somebody that was faithful to preach the message that God had given him. Uh, Wherever he went and and whatever he was doing and every opportunity he had, he would preach the gospel and And what a blessing to have this testimony as Paul at the end of his life. Here's what he says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 26 and 27. Wherefore I take to you record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul was faithful to preach the message that God had put on him to share it with everyone that he came in contact with. Can we say this today? Can you say that of yourself? Have you been faithful to always preach the gospel when God's burdened your heart to do so? Can we honestly admit that every time the Holy Spirit has pressed upon us to share Christ, we have been faithful to do that? God help us. But despite the consequences of keeping silent, many Christians do not tell others. Even if we understand, well, we're going to be accountable. But... And so why would we remain silent? Why many keep silent? For some, it may be they're starving themselves. And I'm not saying that they're starving and they don't know Christ as their Savior, but they perhaps have experienced the joy of salvation in the past, but through negligence they have failed to grow and have forgotten the blessing of their salvation. Second Peter 1, verses 8 and 9, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Perhaps you're just in a spiritual famine in your life even though you do know Christ. In a real sense, they have returned to a state of spiritual famine, some Christians. They've forgotten the great blessings and the good tidings that God has brought in their life. They have little or nothing to share with others because of this. God help us to be fruitful. I I was listening to a message this week. uh, And it was, I can't remember the exact quote. But the idea was Christians ought to live in such a way that the world would not desire to be of the world. 
they would look at the Christian life and go, man, I want that. But I'm afraid many Christians are living in, in spiritual poverty, so to speak. They're, they're not experiencing the blessing of the Lord's they. They're lacking those things. They've forgotten the great good tidings of the Lord. They're not living the abundant life. And so they don't have a lot to share. Boy, come to my church. It's great fun. Listen, our Christian life ought to be exciting. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have trials and tribulation in this world. We know those things are going to come. But how do we respond to those things? When you go to work and you're having a bad day, do you lash out in the flesh? And then try to witness. They're going to be like, okay. Those, those are contradictory. Uh, we need to be careful. And, and the reality is it's because we need to be tapped into the vine so we can be nourished. Because we can't do it in our own strength. If in our strength, we're not going to be able to represent the Lord as we ought. Listen, those who are enjoying the blessings of salvation will want to tell others. If you're truly enjoying life in Christ, how could you not want to share that with someone? Uh, that was true of David. Read Psalm 32 sometime. But, but look at this example of Philip in John chapter 1, in, in verse 43. It says, The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come of Nazareth? Here's Philip's response. Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Hey, we found this. We found the solution. You've got to come experience this and see for yourself. He has changed my life and he can change yours. Uh, we need to tell others about what we have experienced in Christ. Christian, this morning, do you have... Do you not have any good tidings worth sharing? Of the great blessings of Christ and the salvation we have in Him. And, and then not to mention like the song that we said, we heard this morning. Man, what a blessed journey we experienced day to day. It may have been long, but it's been blessed. Do you not have something to share? Maybe for some it's out of fear or discouragement. They let fear keep you silent. I want to remind you that God has not want us to be fearful. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be thou therefore, uh, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of his prisoner. Listen to what it says here. But be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel, according to the power of God. Listen, get involved in this thing. <laughs> the affliction of the gospel is something to be excited about. If it wasn't for the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, we wouldn't have anything to be excited about. Let's get involved in that. Let's start telling everybody about the solution to their problem. Is Christ and what he's done on the cross. Listen, maybe you're fearful or, and maybe you just lack some boldness. God can give you boldness. The New Testament Christians in Acts, they prayed and asked God, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Sometimes it's just because we're complacent. We're content with where we're at, and we don't ask God to give us a boldness. It can be intimidating to share Christ. 
But if we would ask God, He can give us boldness. Acts, that was Acts 24, 29, where they asked that for boldness. And then look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And when they spake the word of God, or, and they spake the word of God with boldness, God answered their prayer. He shook the place. You can see also uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We'll, we'll move along for the sake of time, but Listen, sometimes we just need to ask God. We need to get serious about the message that we have and say, God, I need you to fill me with the Spirit and give me some boldness. I have not been doing well. I've been holding my peace. God, would you help me to proclaim the gospel? You've done so much good for me. I I want to share it with others. I want to tell them to come and see what the Lord has done for me. Some people get discouraged. That can keep us silent at times. I would remind you of uh, the principle of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be wearying do we in do. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There's no need to get weary. God's going to take care of it all. You'll reap if you don't faint. Don't give up. And listen, it can be discouraging at times to minister. People are dumb. They don't listen. Let's be honest this morning. That's the reality of it. I have some family members, you, you know, you just want to smack them. I have one family member that I, they have given me a clear cut Testimony of salvation. But their life is a wreck. And I just... Come and see what the Lord can do in your life. He can take your life and and make it abundant. You don't have to wallow in discouragement and frustration and difficulties of this life. You could come to Him, but people don't listen. Decades have gone by. They don't listen. So I get it. It can be discouraging to minister. But that doesn't mean we quit. Jesus didn't quit. Look at his example. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, at right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Don't forget that Christ endured and He can strengthen you to do through anything. Fear and discouragement are as problematic as they can be. Uh, they can be overcome with faith and perseverance. Boy, if we would just pray in faith to God and say, God, I need some boldness, I need some strength, I need you to, to uh, give me a refreshing that I might minister to others, we can overcome those things. And sometimes we just got to pull up our bootstraps or our pants straps or whatever you pull up, I don't know. And endure hardness as a good soldier. That's not popular today. We want things to be easy. But God tells us to endure hardness. It won't always be easy. Some people might say, well, it's too complicated. I don't know how to do this thing. Uh, Listen, I mentioned some of this in Sunday school. And 
Listen, in order to minister and to preach the gospel, you don't have, a ma- have to have a master's degree in interpersonal communication. I don't. Look how well I'm communicating. <laughs> Listen, if you take the message of God, it's not about you. And God can take all of your shortcomings and all of those things and, and use you to proclaim the gospel. You don't need some fancy education. You don't need four years of Bible college some specialized training. Preaching the gospel isn't only for the elite Christians that have got some great training. The preaching the gospel is just simply saying, come and see what God has done in my life. The gospel can be presented in the simplest of forms. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 is a great uh, way to do it. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also you are saved. So this is the gospel that has been preached. People have received it. People have been saved by it. Look what it says. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's not a complicated message. That is the solution of the spiritual famine that we face in our society today, though. We must be faithful to proclaim it. Uh, If you make note of of many of the examples in the book of Acts, the gospel was normally presented in just one lesson. It's not this complicated Bible study that you have to have to be with people. And I'm not saying we might not minister over a period of time to people because some people won't receive it the first time. But when you look at those examples in the scriptures, when when the, the apostles would preach and the Bible says that those that were hearing it were pricked in their hearts, they knew They knew the message of Christ was true. And this isn't in my notes, but I would add, we're not responsible for their response. We are just responsible to be faithful to share what God has done with us and preach the gospel. Listen, you're a sinner. You need a Savior. But guess what? Christ has made the way. He died. He was buried and he's rose again, victorious over sin and death. And if you would call upon him and believe, you can be saved. It's not complicated. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. This isn't a complicated message that we have to study and, and prepare for. It's as simple as when we heard it. Uh, often many people in, in churches, their children are saved. I remember leading my, some of my children to the Lord. My wife led some of them to the Lord. It's so simple a child can understand it. Listen, you're not obligated to teach non-believers the meat of the word. They're not going to understand it anyway. Uh, Those things are spiritually discerned, the Bible tells us. Now, after they receive Christ, and and certainly that's one of the main reasons we gather as a church family, is to hear the word of God preached. and, And listen, I'm thankful for our preacher. Talk about the meat of the word. Uh, got some pretty nice steak around here. But listen, sharing the gospel is rather easy. Don't overcomplicate it. Like the lepers, you simply need to share your experience. We, I'm running out of time this morning, and we won't have the time to go back to this. But those lepers went back to the city, and they shared the message of what God had done. How that all of the needs of the city could be met because they have fled. Could you imagine... Uh, we kind of did it in Afghanistan. We left a bunch of stuff behind. Yeah. 
But a fleeing army, can you imagine the bounty that was there? Uh, as the lepers, or as the king sent messengers to go and check, because he wasn't sure about this message, right, from these lepers. And, and they said there were things dropped along the way. I mean, they were just dropping things because they were trying to get out of there. God has met the needs of the people around us, but we must tell them. As we close this morning, church family, if we are silent with regard to the good tidings we have experienced, then the words of the four lepers are true. We do not well. As the leper said, now therefore come that we may go and tell. We need to maybe commit ourselves once again to the Lord that we're going to be faithful to share the good tidings of Jesus Christ. God, help us to go from this place and tell the world that is spiritually starved about the feast God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let us share with others what we ourselves have found, like the lepers did. To the visitor this morning, to the one that may not know Christ, indeed, this is the day of good tidings, because it is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And I urge you to come to Christ today. Come experience the joy, the peace, and the love that only God can give. Listen, this morning as we close, the altar is going to be open. The pianist can come at this time and begin to play. But we're going to open this altar for anyone that needs to come. If you need to do business with God, come. If you don't know Christ this morning, I urge you, I beg you, that you would come this morning. We will take the Bible. We'll take the Word of God and and share how you can know God and you can have eternal life. How you can be nourished by the bread of life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, for this message today, Lord, and the great example of these lepers that simply just shared the good tidings of what you've done. And I pray that each Christian this morning would be faithful to share the good tidings of Jesus Christ in our life. And Lord, I pray for those that may not know Christ, that they would understand their dire situation and their need of a Savior, and they would come to Christ today. In Jesus' name.